Isaiah, starting with the first verse of chapter 4 and um, until the ninth verse of chapter 4. Please feel free to read along in a Bible you brought yourself or one in our pew, or just be blessed by listening. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break the stone wall down. Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. So we build the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Now in Sanballat, Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed. They were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, We set up a guard against them day and night. Father God, thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to work. Lord, not only in, um, you know, in the secular career fields, but as retired people to serve you and as, as, um, as fathers and mothers and grandparents to raise children. There are many ways where we can work uh, Lord, to serve you and to glorify you. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as, as a retired guy that you would show me where I could be useful to you and to bring you and your kingdom glory. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your holy word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for our pastor, Steve, who loves us, who loves you, and who loves your word, please put in his heart and his mind what you'd have him teach us and give us ears to hear so that we would listen and take to heart, uh, Lord, what we hear. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good to see every one of you here this morning on this Lord's Day and this Labor Day weekend. Indeed, it's a beautiful day. I was so thankful to get up this morning and sit out on the porch, and it's about five degrees cool. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for that. And, of course, the Lord was gracious. Um, as mentioned before about the storm, uh, again, we miss the storm here in Tampa. Other places don't get it so good, if I can say it that way. But the Lord knows what he's doing. I read again Job 37. 
must have been Tuesday or Wednesday, and it just amazes me how God is in charge of every, every bit of water and every bit of wind, and he knows what he's doing, but we're really thankful to see all of you here and that we're all safe by God's grace. Today we're going to talk about work. As you know, this is Labor Day weekend. Celebrate Labor Day tomorrow, so, and I've shared this before, but uh, it's probably different. It's a fresh one, so uh, I trust the Lord will speak, but when you read the Bible, of course, you see people doing all kinds of work. There's Noah building the ark. There's Jacob shepherding his sheep. There's Moses leading all these people, and there's Joseph, or excuse me, uh, Joshua commanding this army. There's Hannah being a mother. There's David being a king. As, as was just read, Nehemiah was building a wall. And of course, most importantly, Jesus Christ was a savior for us. And we also read about Paul, and he was a preacher. He was a pastor, an apostle. And the work they did, of course, was God, what, what God wanted them to do, because we read about it in the Bible. So it's always good to read the Bible. What is the work God wants these people to do? So you can read it right there and see what God is doing through people. Well, today we just want to look at a, a number of different passages to talk about work, and I'm going to cover a lot of different details here uh, on this subject. First, turn to Luke 17. We've looked at this before, but this is a, 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 I believe, a classic one. Luke chapter 17. I just want to read a few verses. Some verses I will read, some verses I will just talk about. But Luke 17, verses 7 to 10, verse 7. Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? Will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We've only done what that, that which we ought to have done. So here's this slave. He's doing field work for his master, which, of course, I believe you all know is not easy work. Had he been tired, he, he comes inside, he comes into the kitchen, he cooks a meal for his master. That's what he does. And Luke says he did the things which were commanded, that his master told him what to do, and he did. And it's important to note here the word that's used is not servant. The word that's used is slave, a slave. He was this master's slave, not just a servant who would work at some day job. Of course, this, this applies to us. I work for God, then it's not just some nine-to-five job, and then we do whatever we want. That's how we might feel sometimes. The Lord is our master, and we are his slave to do all that he wants us to do all the time. And all the time that we have is time that God gives us so we can do what God wants us to do, and it's important to remember that. God gives you time so that you can serve him, so that you can then work for him. And God, then, he'll be one who leads us in the work he wants us to do. I like this. This is important. Psalm 143, and you can form this as a prayer here. Teach me to do thy will. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Always good to say, Lord, you show me. You teach me to do what you want me to do. And again, we're not to expect God to thank us because we're his slaves. And when we've done what God wants us to do, then we've only done what we ought to do. That's the first passage that we're to do what God wants. Second one is Colossians chapter 3, 22 to 24. I'm, I'm sure that all these passages we're going to look at today are familiar. 
but the collective whole will give us a good idea, good thoughts on work. Colossians chapter 3, 22 to 24. It says there, slaves, again it's slaves, slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. It's important to understand this distinction. Slaves were people back then who were owned by their masters. They were to work full-time for their masters. Different from a servant. Again, as I just mentioned before, it could be a day laborer. These are slaves. And, of course, in our modern culture, we don't like using that word slave for different reasons, and I understand that. But the idea of people having slaves, and here this word slaves being used, and all things obey your masters. It's very clear. And so this, this, these verses talk about working for earthly masters, and I assume that every one of you have had earthly masters, earthly employers, earthly bosses. All of you have had ones like this. And this says you to work for God, for the Lord, for he is your primary primary master, your supreme master, and we then are his slaves. We can also say that we are his servants. We could also say that we are his stewards. That is, God gives us charge of of things that we're to do. And a key phrase, the key phrase here is whatever you do, in whatever you do, you're to work for the Lord. And that whatever you do really, really enhances, elevates this whole definition of work. It's not just, you know, work someplace eight to five, Nine to five, ten to seven, whatever, or nights or weekends. It's not. It's whatever you do. Whoa, this is huge. Whatever, whatever you do, that's what it's telling us right here. So work then isn't some eight to four or nine to five job. For the Christian, work means you're working for God in whatever you do. That's then what we are saying. It can be physical work, example. It can be doing the dishes. It can be doing yard work. It can be... Uh, mental work. You could be just doing your books at home, doing the finances, or you could be working in some office job. It can be strictly spiritual work. And I say strictly because all these tasks we're talking about are spiritual. Everything we do as a Christian is spiritual, but they're strictly spiritual work in the sense that you're encouraging somebody or praying for somebody or serving somebody in the church from that sense. So we can talk about this, whatever you do, being in those three categories, physical and mental and spiritual. So that's the Colossians 3, whatever you do. Continue on then to Luke chapter 12. I'm not going to read this, but this is a good section of, of verses. It it's, uh, it's, it's, talks about a rich man. talks about a man who is, is, is greedy. Uh, talks about a man who is thinking of his retirement. So we have all these different concepts here. And as Christians, we must think about work from a godly, eternal perspective, not from a worldly, not from an earthly, not from a temporal perspective. What we understand, we see this from these verses here. Other verses would say the same thing. You look at life, and it's obvious what's going on here. But an unbeliever is one who's basically working for himself, right? That's an unbeliever. He's working for himself. He's making money for himself. He's buying for him things for himself, and he likes to have things. In fact, one way to define our culture, not strictly so, but one way is, is what people love in this country is what? 
I want to have more things, and I want more money. More money and more things, okay? And that sort of happens. You know, you, you first get a job someplace, you don't have much, your apartment's sort of bare, and you get more things and more things and more things. And, 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 and some of this isn't good, and some is fine. You know, I have lots of things, and Marsha would probably like to clear out a few more things. He's better at that than I am. And so we all have things, you know, we, you understand that. But some people, and I'm sure you've been around enough life, says, man, that person's got a lot of stuff. Man, you go to his house, and there is lots and lots of stuff, man, in the yard and in the garage and in the living room and in the bathroom. There's stuff all over, you know what I mean? And, that's, again, that's part of what defines people in life is having all of these things. Again, some of this is fine, but there is a point where there's too much. Next point is unbeliever doesn't think correctly about his life and what happens after his life. That is, he stores up these possessions or he invests money in his retirement account. But he's not thinking about, real strongly so anyway, that he can't take this with him. You know, you've heard the old story. He's not going to pack it in his, his casket, you know. He's not going to pack it in his hearse. He's buried. That doesn't happen. We all know that. But sometimes people, and this is thoughts are from Psalm 49. I'm not going there. I'm going rather quickly today. But Psalm 49 conveys these thoughts about people, hey, think I'm going to have these houses and forever, but it's just not it. The unbeliever like this isn't thinking about his sin. He isn't thinking about the state of his soul. And that if he doesn't repent of his sins while he's on earth, there'll be a point in time when it's too late, and he'll then perish and be punished forever in hell. It's just a, it's a simple truth, but that's this unbeliever here. In fact, where does it say it? In um, verse 20, God said to him, you fool, you fool. Every unbeliever is a fool. You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And that, that, those verses, man, that, that covers a lot of people in the world. I'm sure a few people that you know as well. It's a very sad commentary, but it's the truth, okay? So that the, next, the next thing, the next thing is that believers are to work for God and make money for his purposes, okay? That's just a general state. We're to work for God and make money for his purpose. And of course, we are to make money to meet our needs. You all understand that? You make money, you pay your bills, electrical, you know, rent or mortgage or whatever you have to pay, food. You have to meet your own needs. That's, that's definitely true. But we're, we're talking about, in general, making money for God's work, and that then includes the lives of others. So we work to make money for others. We work to make money for God's purposes. We work then to make money to meet our needs. But again, we know that life isn't about having these things. When you think about it, and it's important to think this way because we think about things. It's, it's, it's important to think about life as what? Really, the center of life is relationships. It's a, it's a relationship with God, the Father, His Son, the Holy Spirit, and it's a relationship with others, okay? And sometimes all this stuff and these things and these possessions cloud in. And No, life simply is about other people. That, that's what it is. I I think of these verses, you know these, Philippians 1, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for my sake, right? We know that's not right. I'm staying on here for my sake. That is not how we should ever think. I mean, we all know the best thing for a Christian is, man, to be out of here. What's it say? 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For each one of us, it'd be better, we'd be better off if we'd be in heaven. 
but we're here for others. And some of you know that very clearly. There's certain people that really depend on you, okay? And some maybe more generally so, but we're here for others, whether it really spiritually or physically or helping people. We are here for others. And that's important to understand that, that we see that. Turn to Acts 20, 20 verses, chapter 30, 20, verse 33. It says there in verse 33, it says, I've coveted no one's silver or gold. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So again, this concept, we are working for others. And we all understand that, 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 that truth. And it's, it's something we all have to learn in life by God's grace is that sometimes early on as a Christian, we're sort of stingy, you know, and, but then the more you go, I give to others. It's more blessed. I'm more blessed when I give to others. However, that giving works itself out. It could be financial. It could just be using, serving with time. It, it could be any any number of things here. And anyway, next point is this: is it's a prudent thing to save money for that time when you're not working and not making money. It's a prudent thing, okay? We're talking now about saving for, as we might say, for retirement, saving for the future. I, I read some number the other day. It, it said that, what did it say? I think the number is eight times. When you're 67, whatever you're making at 67, you should have eight times that amount of money in retirement. So let's say you're making 50,000. You should have 400,000. I mean, that's that worldly stuff, okay? But they have all these different numbers, and, and it says... I think myself and my wife and maybe some of you are far from those marks, okay? But the point is there's so much emphasis on save tons of money for the future. Tons and tons. And, and the average financial advisor, his number's a lot higher than probably what most of yours are here. But, of course, we should put money away. I believe that's a good thing. But don't put your hope in money. Proverbs 20, 23, verse 5 says, Wealth certainly makes wings like an eagle that flies toward the heaven. Money flies away. That's all that it says. It, it's easy for money to go. That's no doubt about that. Next point is this, is we're not to think that we should retire like unbelievers, okay? We not, should not think that there comes a point in time when we're all done working at some job, and then, of course, they say, as it says in, in, in uh, Corinthians Excuse me, Luke 12. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That is, let's sit around. Let's have fun. Let's just travel. Let's do things on our bucket list, okay? So it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I was looking for this. I was... I don't usually look at lyrics of songs, but this Jimmy Buffett died the other day. He had a song, his top song. You might know this, and if you don't know it, that's perfectly fine. It's Margaritaville. You can get an idea from the song, with this, you know, the title, what this is about. You've you all heard, I believe, about margaritas, okay? It's just some kind of drink. Anyway, Margaritaville, it was his top song. He died when he was 75. He was famous. And this is how, this is how it goes. This is one line, okay? But there's booze in the blender... 
and soon it will render that frozen concentrate that helps me hang on, hang on. Wasted away again in Margaritaville. That's sad. I tell you, that will convey the sentiments of a lot of people today and tomorrow this weekend in this country. It really will. It's really, really, really sad. But that's the way people think. Wasted away again in, in Margaritaville. Booze or liquor is huge in this country. I don't know. I've been around the world that much. I assume it's big in other places too, but it's really, really sad. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die is a true statement for a lot of people. It really, really is. But, but part of this, I, I'm thinking of and I, I just a verse that's not in your notes there, but it's, it's um, Ephesians 5, 15, 16, 17. It says, redeem the time. Those unbelievers are wasting their lives away. You can redeem it. You can use it for something eternally valuable. And that gets me excited. It really does. And I'm, I'm something there. I've got things to do tomorrow. So maybe taking a little time off, but not much. Because, man, I want to redeem the time. I've got things I can do that will count for eternity. That's how I think we should all have that thought of wanting, as it says in another version, to make the most of the time. And so the Christian, then, is to be always working for God from the moment, then, that he is saved to the moment that he dies. It's just a basic truth. You know the verse in Luke 9 says, Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. As Christians, another way to define who we are is we are followers. We are to follow Jesus. And he says in Luke 20, 1 or 2, Where I am, there my servant will also be. That is, Jesus is moving ahead, and he's leading us in the work he wants us to do. He's building the church. We're to build the church with him. Where I am, there my servant also will be. So you think of this. You're a follower. As a follower, then you'll be doing your work, and it's taking up your cross. It's taking up your cross. It's not always easy. I was talking to, I hope Doris doesn't mind me saying this, but, but she told me yesterday, and she worked till she was 80, okay? She's about 10 years older than that. And, and she said to me yesterday, Friday, she says, you know, I just learned to, to work whether I feel like it or not. I said, that's a pretty good way to say it. <laughs> you know, so much of the world is, well, do I feel like doing it? No, I don't feel like I'm not going to do it. You know, we, they think that way, but work is... Working whether you feel like it or not, working for the Lord, that's what we are to do. And so work for the Christian, that is, it be 24-7. It can be, it can be, you know, you're working a job, making money. It can be, again, we've talked about this, working in the church or serving your family. It can be praying. It could be anything. But the, but the bottom line phrase, whatever you do, and so you think about today. Whatever you do today is to be for the Lord. Whatever. Tomorrow, on Labor Day. Whatever you do, whatever, it's huge, and it changes everything, and it's, 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 it's really encouraging. And so you may retire from some job where you're making money, but you never retire from working for God, from serving him, from uh, fulfilling the purpose that he has for your life. That's a simple thing, okay? I'm not against retirement, but I'm against retiring from working for God. And sometimes, as Christians, we can get confused and think, well, you know, I'm retiring at 65, 67, whenever, you know, whatever I be, uh, and then I just quit working completely for God and everybody. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. If you're thinking of retiring from some aspect of job, you better be thinking about, God, what, 
do you want me to shift my time into more so? And, and it may be that you're a little older and a little tired or you don't have quite the energy you had when you're 30, 40. I understand. I feel that way. But you still, you know, as long as you're alive and kicking, you've got things he wants you to do, okay? Again, it may not be the pace, may not be the energy, may not be the same thing, may be similar, whatever, but that's what God wants to lead every believer in. There's, there is no, no, no doubt about that. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts 13. Just a few verses here to convey this point. Acts 13, 36. I've shared this before, but this is, is an example of David, but it, it sums up the principle here. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. Fall asleep, of course, means he physically died. Now, when did he fall asleep? After, after, after he had served the purpose of God. So we, we talk about work, we're in some ways equating purpose as well. God has a purpose for you, and this entails work that he wants you to do. So you think about those on the same plane, okay? So he finished his purpose, or he finished the work that God wanted him to do. That's, that's what we see in that verse. Let's go to Acts 20, 24. Twenty twenty four. This is one of it's a good way to summarize Paul's life and how he thought about his vision, his mission, however you want to say it. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. <laughs> you can tell there's a guy that's a man who sold out for God. And, you know, so you think about Paul, you think about Jesus. Well, did they ever retire and just stop work? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. So we have those examples there. And, and there's other verses that make this clear that we're always to be working for God. We have the, uh, this one verse, Psalm 119.44, I shall keep your law continually forever and ever. And the thing I want to convey to you here is this. It says, I will keep your law. The idea then that keeping God's law or obeying God's commands, really the same thing, is really working for the Lord. Again, you're equating obedience. I shall keep your law. How long? Always. All this life, all the next life, which means, you know what that means simply, is that you're going to be working for God in heaven in the future, in the kingdom ages to come. That's going to happen. And, of course, it'll be a little easier then. Won't have the sweat and toil because of the curse we read about back in Genesis 3. But still, we'll always be serving the Lord and worshiping him. Those two words are are very clear, uh, what the Lord has for us. This verse here, John 5, 17, uh, Jesus is, is talking. He says, my father is always at his work, and I, too, am working. He says, wow. And, and so we're supposed to sort of imitate God, right? I mean, of course, they're God, but just, you know, their pattern. I'm always at my work. Always. Father's working, and I'm working, too. This verse, just a simple one, but it gives you an example. Ephesians six eighteen. With, with this in view, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. The concept is simple. Again, we talk about this actual retirement like people in the world do when they're 65, 67, or 62, whatever. You're always to keep on praying, right? And that's a whatever you do. That's a work of God that he wants you to do. So I'm trying to expand your your thinking here about, well, praying. And and there's some people, maybe more older people, they do a lot of praying. They do a lot of work every day because praying is work. It's hard work. It's good work. It's very, very important work, this praying. Then you go to Proverbs 16:9 and you look at work from this point of view. Man plans his way, and the Lord 
directs his steps. So every day you get up, I, I don't do like, I get up and I think about the things I want to do. That is the work I want to do. I think about that and I usually write things down. But I plan it and it doesn't always stay the same. So the idea of being flexible uh, with the work that God wants you to do as you walk with him. Next, working for God during our life on earth results in heavenly and eternal rewards. 1 Corinthians 3.8 says it clearly, each will receive his own reward for his own labor. Revelation 22.12, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to what he has done. So God wants you to work for him, knowing that it will result in then you being rewarded and you having great treasure in heaven. And you back it up. We're talking about reward for what? For whatever you do. Everything, all day long, can be rewarded. Whoa, that's huge. Most people don't understand this. We've, we've talked about this just only last year or two. Rewards. Whatever you do, all day long, can be rewarded by God. That's amazing. Amazing. Whatever you do, <laughs> saying a prayer for somebody, being thankful, you know, serving somebody in a little way or big way or calling somebody up on the phone or writing an encouraging text or email. Huge. Huge. You need to have this. Again, not that you're working for rewards, but I tell you this. If you're getting rewards, it means you're working for the Lord and you're serving the Lord with a good heart. If you're not getting rewards, you're being lazy. Be honest, you're lazy. You're not doing what God wants because God will reward your work for him. That is the truth. That is the fact. We continue. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Uh, let's, let's go there. Two, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. I believe you know the verses. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So we learn several things about work from these verses. First, you're not saved by your good works, but you're saved by God's grace, and you're saved so that by God's grace you can do good works. Okay? Saved. Not by your works, but save them to do good works. Secondly, you're created in Christ Jesus. Cause, cause, God caused you to be born again, to be created as a brand new creature in Christ. And you're not like an unbeliever who's working at a job for his own good, his own glory. You're working for God. You're working for his glory. You're working for his good. You're working for the good of others. That's what you are doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 Again, this is those expansive verses. Huge. Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, similar to the whatever you do. Whether you eat or drink, that's basic, right? That, that, that's saying basic things in life. Eating and drinking, which you do, I assume, every day or two or three times a day or less often or more often, whatever. You're to do it for the glory of God. Wow, whatever you do, whatever kind of work you do, you're to do it for the glory of God. Very important. Next, your God's workmanship. Think about this. God personally makes you the way he wants you to be. He gave you the abilities and talents you had when you were born and as you were growing up. I don't know how to be definitive about that, but God gave you abilities, okay? You all have abilities of some sort. And then when you got saved, born again, you had spiritual abilities that God gave you. Along with that, you are his workmanship. That is, God is working in you, giving you the character, the heart, the desire then to do the work he wants you to do. This, this verse here, 1 Peter 4, as each one has received a special gift, employ 
employ, employer, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's wonderful. God gives you gifts so you can serve others. That's what it says. Next, the work you do for God is good work. That's what it says there in Ephesians 2.10. Good work is work that's beneficial, that's needed, that's helpful, that's needed for others in society. It's work that's good for our country, our culture. It's good for your family. It's good for the church. It's good work. And you can work at a restaurant. You could work in a hospital. You could work in a clinic. You could work as an auto repairman. You could work as a realtor. And there's hundreds of other jobs that are good jobs. I'm talking about jobs out in the world. But the point is, this, this good works is, again, a huge phrase. It covers everything. So that's an important thing. Second, next point is God prepared. God planned these works way back in eternity past. God knew every single thing he wanted you do, to do. Isn't that amazing? God knew everything. So you're, you're, you're here today, this day, the 3rd of September. and Okay, so you, God, you planned it out for me today? Yeah, I got it planned out. Really? Okay, well, what is it? That's how I think. You know, sometimes they go, I want to do this today. I want to do this. No, okay, let's back up. God, God, do you have some plans apart from my plans? It's good to ask God first, you know. Not just run ahead of him, but run with him or behind him, however you want to say it. More specifically, Christ is building the church. He's making sure that all the work that he wants to get done is done before he sends his son back. And with that, that God is working in each believer, making sure that each Christian on this world is doing the work that he wants that Christian to do in context, in, con- in, context, in conjunction with the church. So you think about that. You're part of the church. Christ says, I'm building the church. He's working in your life, helping you then to do part of that work, a little part of that work here on this earth during this time that we live. That's what is happening. Next, Christians are to walk in these good works. As you go through the day, as you go through life, you walk with the Lord. And as you walk with the Lord, then you discover the work that God wants you to do, and then you can do the work that he wants you to do. It's interesting to think about the classic individual who walked with God, of course, is Enoch, Genesis 5, Hebrews chapter 11. But, you know, when you read about what his work was, you go to Jude, and he was preaching fire. That's what he was doing. It says, it says the Lord came to to execute judgment upon all the ungodly and their ungodly deeds. He's, he was a strong, holy, righteous preacher for God. That's what he was doing, but that was, that was the work. He was walking with the Lord. He's walking with the Lord. God gave him this work to do. That is, he just wasn't walking along this nice little lonely path someplace with God. That wasn't the point. He probably did that, but there's a lot more than that because it conveyed itself. It showed itself in the life that God gave him. I just want to look at a... Um, few points here, just a number here as we conclude our part. You're to serve the Lord with gladness. You all know this, but this is, this is in some ways can be a tough one because it's so easy in our spirits and in the world we live in and a lot of people grumble and complain. We're to work gladly as it says in Psalm 100. Serve the Lord with gladness and, and God's got to give you that. That's not something you can work up, that spirit of joy in your heart and gladness. God's got to give you that. Serve him with gladness. Secondly, to work by faith. You could be working at a task. I've done this many times. I'm going along, and I forgot about God. In the last three hours, where was God? I didn't even think about him. I, I'm just saying this. As you work at the work God gives you, ask God to help you to be, keep, keep looking to him, to keep trusting him, to keep 
being strong in the grace that he gives you to do the work he wants you to do. This, I'm just saying, very important, be cognizant. And as we think about this work, and I, we're not going to go there, but Hebrews 11, of course, is, is, is one way to say it. It's a whole chapter of believers doing work for God by faith. And so you can read through that sometime. You say, what kind of work was this person doing? It's all kinds of different work, so that's, that's what you see. Next year to work hard like the hard-working farmer who had worked from dawn to dusk. I've told you the story, but it illustrates the point here. I, I learned a lot from my grandparents. You'd go back there in the summer, two weeks of summer, back in the mid-60s, and you'd go there, and 5.30 in the morning, you'd hear the clang of the pig feeders. I mean, clang, loud clang. You'd hear the roosters, and you'd smell the bacon frying. 5.30, and it was light. It was not just some barely dawn. It was light. I said, wow. And my grandparents, they, they were out working. I was in bed. I got up shortly after because I smelled the bacon. But the point is this, is they're a good example to me. They worked from dawn to dusk. They did. Sun came up at 4.35 o'clock in Iowa back in July. That's what happens. And they worked till, till dusk. They were hard-working farms. And I learned, I learned a lot from my mom, too. I, I really credit just having good work habits from, from my mom and from my grandparents. My mom told this story because my father died when I was seven and moved to Iowa from Vegas, and then after my one daughter, or one sister, rather, she was two. My father died, then she became five or six, and then my mom went to school, 35 years of age, went to nursing school, became a nurse. She was second in her class of 80 kids. She was a smart kid. She worked hard. So then she kept the house and kept watching the kids, and she worked a, a 3 to 11 shift for many years. That's what she did. Just she worked, worked. And, and I tell you, I, I'm, I'm serious about that. I've never seen her complain. I never saw her complain, ever, ever, ever. I said, God, I can't believe it. That lady doesn't complain. And didn't cry either. I mean, she's just a very, not very emotional person. That's the kind. She's that German stock. You might be familiar with that. You're not to be lazy or daydreaming or taking lots of breaks. You're to be conscientious. You're to be diligent. You're to be engaged. You're to be focused on your work. I'm covering a lot of ground in just that one sentence Proverbs 10, 4, 5 says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand. The hand of the diligent makes rich. I always remember this back in Iowa, but my grandfather's at one farm about a half mile down the road. There's other farmer, and his, his yard and his field is covered with weeds. I said, that guy's not a hardworking farmer. He was covered with weeds. He wasn't a good farmer. He wasn't a hardworking farmer. I always learned from that lesson. And you don't want to be negligent because then you'll be poor. Mark 12.30 is a verse about loving God, but one way you show your love for God is by working for God, by doing what he wants you to do, and you then are to work with the entirety of your being, which means your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. So you think about that. Again, I'm just sharing these brief thoughts here. When you work, work with heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what you do. And I'll say one thing here is most of us here have more strength than we realize. All of us here have been tired before. Say, man, I'm tired. I can't, you know? Usually you can keep going. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a time when you quit, but if God's got you, keep going. You're tired, tired yet pursuing, do it, okay? Again, learn to rest when you need to rest. That's, that's, that's a given. We need to do that. Next, you'd have a mind to work. Jeff read this in Nehemiah chapter 4, said they had a mind to work. As you know, we live in a culture where many people do not have a mind to work, right? They have a mind that's focused on relaxing, playing, having fun, and doing lots of leisure activity. I'm not saying you can't do leisure activity, but so many people, what do they do? They get home from work or it's the weekend. Okay, what can I do now that's fun? That's how they think, and that's not the right way to think. That's the wrong way to think. That's not a godly way to think, not at all. 
Okay, I'm not saying you can't relax, put your feet up, I'm not. But please, please, we live in a culture, as you know, that is fun, fun, fun. We've got to be careful. We are here to work for the Lord and do the work that he wants us to do while he has us here. Next, you need to be holy. This is a very important thought. I'm just going to say it briefly. You need to be holy and godly to do the work that God wants you to do. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, 20 to 21. Next, the work God planned for you to do gives you a reason, a purpose for living. And, and sometimes if I, if I meet a Christian and they feel like, oh, I have nothing to do and no reason, I says, what? That's how I think. I may not say it that way. I says, what? You don't have a reason for living? You, you don't have a purpose? God gives you work so you have a purpose. I want to get up. Man, I, I want to do something. And I'm not saying we don't get discouraged. I get discouraged. I get tired. But, man, I'm here for a reason. I'm to live for the Lord. Uh, that's, that's what we're to do. Next, the work you're doing is unique. No one in the world has the exact same work that you do. You are a very, very special person in the Lord, and God has given you special work to do. Understand that. It may be similar. Of course, there's similarities. You know, there's mothers here, and there's mothers, mothers all over the world. There's, you know, there's carpenters. We understand that. But in terms of the specificity, the exactness of what he has for you to do with the people that you're with, it is unique. It's a unique situation. And so know that. And that's, that's, I like that. That's encouraging. God knows me. He knows my frame. He knows what I'm like. He knows what I can do. And he's got this for me to do. So that's just an important point there. The work that you do is often done with other Christians. We know the verse in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 that says two is better than one. Okay, so typically, typically you work with others. I'm not saying all the time because some of you have jobs or you're working by yourself. Okay, but, but if you can work with others in a spiritual context for sure and sometimes in a work context, that is a helpful thing or at least in the supervision of others. You know what I'm saying. But the thing I want to say is this. Sometimes there are jobs that you have to do that God wants you to do in secret. In secret. Okay, whether it's praying, whether it's giving to somebody, you know, whether you're just trying to encourage one person. You don't broadcast it, you know, hey, let's get three others to go help. You know, it's just you and that person or you and the Lord in prayer. So sometimes your work is done in secret. Sometimes it's done with others. Next, and this is important, God wants you to be satisfied and pleased by the result of your work. Whether this work is what you're praying, what you're saying, what you're speaking, what you're doing, your actions. So God wants you to be satisfied. And, and sometimes we, and I'm, I'm like this, I have different projects, you know, or different things I write or do. And so, like, this message here takes time, okay? I, I work on it, or a blog post, it takes time. And when it's done, oh, that turned out pretty good. And so God gives me a sense of satisfaction. And in general, he wants us to do, he wants to do that for us. He knows that we as people need to be encouraged as we go through that, hey, we're, we're seeing what we're doing, we're seeing where we're going, and we're satisfied, we're happy, we're pleased, and that, that, that's what God wants for you. Next, God wants you to rest. Okay, you wonder if we can get to this point. Yes, God wants you to rest. They're recharged. I'm talking physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. He wants you to rest. Of course, Jesus rested. Uh, he slept. We know that he was tired. But this verse here, there's, there's, there's different ways to look at rest. We can look, of course, rest sleeping. We need to sleep. We need to get a rest. We need to, as you've heard that old phrase, don't burn the midnight oil. We need to make sure we get enough sleep, okay? And I'm... <laughs> Not every day, but I'm more now than five years ago. I'm taking naps in the afternoon, maybe three or four or five times. I'm just tired. Man, I got to lay down. So I take a nap. Okay, that's fine. I need my sleep. I'm just, I'm just tired. So 
but the rest comes from physical rest, but it also comes from spiritual. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Word. It comes from fellowship. You know, you have a, you have a, you have a believer, and he's thinking about what to do, and it's a Saturday night and a Sunday morning, and he says, oh, man, I'm tired. I've got to sleep in. Maybe the best thing, I'm not saying, I, I don't know what this, particularly everybody's situation is different, but maybe you should go to church and be encouraged because it's, it's a spiritually and has a physical component of being revitalized in fellowship and being in worship and being with other believers. It's a very, very helpful thing. So we're talking about rest here from uh, many different aspects. But the verse that I like, and I've shared this before, Mark 135 says that Jesus, early in the morning, early in the morning, Jesus got up, went out of the house, and went to a lonely place where he prayed. He got his strength. He, he, he needed that spiritual, spiritual strength, which I believe then conveyed to physical strength as well. Next point, 2 Timothy 4, 7. You know the verse. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. And so we think about life and mission and work. We all want to be at that point when we get really close to the end. We, you know, who knows how we're feeling mind-wise, but to be able to say that. I mean, God had all these things for me to do. I fought, I finished, I kept. And each of those words are important. We're not even talking about what's the word fight, what's the word course, what's it mean faith. All those things are relevant here. Next, next week, uh, next Saturday, is going to be an interesting time because I was in Iowa last year, and, and a couple of us were talking in Omaha there. Uh, just about our old home group and things. And so we said, hey, what if we try to get an old home group reunion? So the three of us, it was Brad, who comes here sometimes, Brad Marr, he wrote uh, the Daniel 2 song. So Brad and Jay, a good friend of mine from Omaha, we said, look, so we've been talking. We've been talking at least once a month, probably about once a month the last six months. And we got the little online flyer and email and, you know, communication and each of us trying to call people. Hey, can you come? Can you come? So bottom line, there's 30 there's 30, which is amazing. We're talking 40 years ago. I left in 1983 and came north Maryland and down south here to Florida. So it's really encouraging. But, but, but I can't wait to be there to see, man, God is God's work as he keeps us going for him. This is really amazing. And people have done all kinds of things. We'll probably hear just a smattering of stories because we don't have time. We're going to be together for five hours next Saturday from 12 to 5. But, but I'm excited because... God has helped us to keep going, and I'm going to say that. I've got a, I've got a few things to say, not a lot, just a few things, but one is going to say, if you're here today, God's kept you going, and you should be thankful. No matter, matter the ups and downs, no matter the you know, difficulties you've had, good times and bad, you are here, and God has done it, and that's a very, very positive thing, that God is the one that helps us. So we say, I finished, and I kept, and I fought. It's all by the grace of God's what it is. John 17, 4 very familiar verse to you, I'm sure. Jesus said, I, I brought you glory. He was praying to the Father, I brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. Similar to the verse we just looked at with Paul. But here we're talking about glory. And, and ultimately, the ultimate purpose for your work is what? It's to bring God glory. Jesus said, I brought you glory, Father, so you want to think this way. Our number one objective is, is, is to give God glory, is to have him worshipped and honored by our lives, by our words, by things we say, things we do, things we think. And, and so that's so important. I brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. 
So you think about it, bottom line, as we sum up here, it's very encouraging that we can work for the Lord God Almighty and for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you should be excited and thankful that you can do the work he wants you to do. You should be very thankful for that. Knowing that, 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 that what you do has eternal value, and the world does not think that way, might we think, man, I can do things that count for eternity. And then, as I said before, result in eternal rewards and, of course, an eternal glory for God. I'm going to finish with one verse, and it doesn't talk about glory per se, but I just like this one. It's Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 31, but it's one of my favorite verses about work. Second Chronicles 31, end of the chapter, verses 20 to 21. Second Chronicles 31, 20. To 21. Thus Hezekiah, and, and he, he, he was an amazing king. He was one of the most amazing kings. You read these two or three chapters, and the work he did for the Lord was, well, was impressive. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good, right, and true. I like those three. Same, you find the same words in Ephesians 5. Good, right, and true before the Lord is God. Every work which he began in the service of the house of God in law and in commandment, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. Isn't that encouraging? That's good. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. We bless you for just bringing us here, all of us here. Together, Lord, we know that you've helped us through all the years, and for some that's many, many years, and we thank you that we're here today collectively, Lord, before you, some watching online as well. We thank you for them, but thank you, Lord, that you've kept us going so we can serve you, so we can worship you, Lord, and all of us, I believe, by your grace, have done different things for you through the years, and and, and, and on one hand, I, I, I think we need to be say thank you, Lord, for helping me. On the other hand, if certain things we didn't do that weren't very good, we forget what lies behind. Forget it. Forget it. And today we start anew, this third day of September 2023. And so, Lord, thank you again. You have things today, and I just pray you'd help us. Uh, some of this I didn't even talk about pace. But for me, life is more and more pace. That is, I just can't go full out. I've got to be pacing with you, the strength, the grace, and leading. So, Lord, help us, each of us, where we're at, who we are what we're to do in this church, not just in this church, but we have lives or homes or other people or family or friends or whatever it might be. I just pray you'd help us to be ones who have a heart for you to work, do the work you want. Knowing that, Lord, when we're done, then you'll take us home. So lead us. Lord, I know that it can be very easy to be greatly affected by the world and their mentality of eat, drink, and be merry. And let's not be affected by that, Father. Yes, we can relax. Yes, we need to rest. We need to on one hand, take it easy sometimes. I can say that in that way. But still, Lord, help us not to get caught in anything with the world, but, Lord, to be spiritually minded, knowing that we're here to make the most of the time for your purpose, for your work, and for your glory. But, but thank you again, Lord, for who you are, for each person here, once who couldn't make it today. Lord, just lead us and guide us and protect us. Pray for Bethel, for their church and their people, Lord, all of them. Just lead them and just thank you and just pray for the process that I think is coming to an end of of working together where we're transferring to this property to them, that you would just make that go smooth as well. But just lead us and help us. Thank you, Lord, for Carol being back here today with us. And, and, and that, that's an encouraging thing, Lord, to see her here, uh, what you've taken her through through these last, what, I don't know, five, six months, whatever it's been, seven months, 
that you've given her grace and Bruce too, but thank you for them. And, and others too who may not be here, not feeling well, Lord, just help us all to, by your grace to keep going for you. But thank you again. We want to commit all this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.